Good afternoon, everybody. It is Friday, August 18th. OSU Sports Extra podcast. We're, we're a couple weeks away from kickoff, Juwan. That's always exciting. <laughs> it's a fun time of year. Um, as always, joined by Juwan Lee, the assistant sports editor at the Tulsa World. He's been helping out. He'll be doing the pod. Patrick's off the pod for now. Uh, so for anybody who didn't listen last week, Juwan's taken over in that aspect. And it's super exciting. We're glad to have him on because Juwan's a smart little cookie over there. He he knows what he's talking <laughs> about when it comes to football. So I, th- I think everybody's really going to enjoy um, what he brings if you didn't listen last week. Uh, so I implore everybody to check that out. Give us a listen to this one as always because we're going to be going over we got an offense-heavy podcast. Juwan, we're going to kind of break down this position by position, see exactly what OSU is going to be dealing with Um Come September 2nd when they host Central Arkansas. Uh, Sandra, I'll toss it over to you. Yeah, man. Again, I'm glad to be back for my my second episode of of this season. You know, you know, Patrick is allowing me to take his spot for this season. I'm glad Dean wasn't tired of me last week where he allowed <laughs> me to join him again for for another week of talking OSU football. So, yeah, I think uh, this week we'll focus on the offense, give a good little breakdown for uh, listeners, kind of what to expect, what to what this all the composition of this year's group kind of looks like. And then we'll do next week. We'll, we'll be doing a defense one. Um, so everybody, everybody be on the lookout for that. So that when that September 2nd game goes around, we're hoping to just kind of give everybody some baseline knowledge of, of what to expect when when it comes to this team right and you know as he said offensive offensive heavy show this week um well you know we can kind of start with something that's you know been in the headlines pretty much the past couple weeks and that's Arlen Bruce and and some of the allegations that he's dealing with and just how what his situation is how is this going to affect the receiving core so if you want to kick it off Dean just kind of walk me through for people who don't know what Arlen Bruce is exactly dealing with, and then we can jump into how you feel that will affect the receiving core going into the season. Right. So Arlen Bruce was brought in this offseason from Iowa as a a transfer wide receiver, and OSU lost some pretty significant pieces. I think wide receiver, you could maybe make the case that was the hardest hit position um, for OSU when it came to those transfer portal losses. And, Arlen Bruce was brought in to, to supplement some of those losses. He was a junior. Um, he played pretty consistently up in Iowa. Um, and, and he was 5'10", going to kind of slide in behind Brennan Presley at, at inside receiver. But he got tied up in a illegal gambling investigation going on up in Iowa. Uh, there's allegations that he bet on Iowa Hawkeye football games he participated in. So he's dealing with all of that right now. And uh, Mike Gundy said last week that Arlen Bruce was away from team activities. He wasn't participating in anything while um, that all gets figured out. And there's no timeline on how fast or how slow this, this process is going to go. So I think OSU's kind of, and on top of that, you know, he could lose permanently lose his college eligibility, not just a suspension. He could just be done. And, and so I think OSU's moving forward a little bit, like he won't be around. Um, and two names that Mike Gundy brought up that could maybe fit in there that fill that spot is uh, Blaine Green and Rashad Owens, two guys that had pretty solid 
seasons in 2021, but not so much in 2022 for injury reasons. Uh, and, and something interesting when I was going through all this, Juwan, once you get past Brennan Presley, who's listed at 5'8 on, on the uh, the roster, who and he's more than likely going to be the starter uh, inside for OSU this year, once you get past that, I think every other player who will likely make significant contributions at wide receiver is over six feet tall. Um, so they're going to be big. You know, and it's, it's, some of them are, you know, it's not a slender six foot two. They're, they're kind of right. bulked up. And um, so OSU's going to be pretty big at receiver. And I think that might help as you're bringing in a new quarterback and, and trying to bring along somebody that's not Spencer Sanders. Uh, somebody that I think stands out a lot is Deshaun Stribling, another one of those um, imports via the transfer portal. He's 6'3 out of Washington State. Um, two years ago, I think everybody uh, who followed OSU football would tell you about Tay Martin, who <laughs> also was a Washington State transfer, who was – I don't know if Tay Martin was quite 6'3. He might have been more 6'2. Um, but point being – I, I, I think he and he gets a lot of praise from people around the program. I, I think he'll play a pretty big role, not on the inside, on the outside, but regardless, oh, she's going to be pretty tall, pretty big at receiver this year. And I think that's going to be uh, pretty substantial for them. I think what's very interesting for me when I first read this news, um, and of course, you know, you did a story on it, is just the significant amount of situations I'm seeing with players finding themselves getting caught up in kind of like gambling allegations or or different stuff like that. But, you know, also when you talk about some of the transfers that they brung up, what's kind of the confidence level of some of these, of some of these guys, because I know they're meant to kind of offset some of the losses that they've already had from proven guys. So now that you're bringing gun a new class of wide receivers, how much confidence level do you have in them to offset some of those losses? Yeah, I think this was something Mike Gundy talked about a lot back in the spring is you want to get these transfer guys in the winter during that winter transfer portal window rather than during the spring transfer portal window. And, um, you know, they still lost. They lost Caleb Etienne in the spring window and they replaced him pretty quick. But what happens is, at least in, in the way Mike Gundy explains it, is if you get somebody in winter, you can get them ingrained in the system ingrained mm-hmm. how things work and start building that confidence like you're saying by the time you're going to play your first game when you get somebody in you know that that's about when you bring somebody in in january or late december you have that advantage to hopefully get that player where you need them to be able to offset right and a lot of these these transfer guys you know i don't think it's you want to look at them as freshmen because they're not, they played for for the most part, most of them have played at the power five level. There's some that they pulled from D2 and they even have a D3 wide receiver. So that's an extra learning curve because you got to get them adjusted to the speed of the game. Um, right. And, and, you know, the, the uh, intricacies of power five football, but regardless, bringing them in in the winter, Mike Gundy said all throughout spring, when you do that, you're able to get them acclimated in time to where they can start contributing and and playing with that level of confidence to where you're able to offset a little better than when you're bringing them in in April. So for this wide receiver class in the transfer window, they were able to bring them all in. I think the last guy signed like the first week of January. So they've had about eight months to kind of prepare this and, and get it where it wants to be. And so I think 
that helps them. But you're always going to have, it's not going to be a polished product ever. You know, that's, that's just the downside of, of running through the, uh, the transfer portal. And, and in a situation like Arlen Bruce's, you know, I remember asking Mike Gundy about this back in April was just, you know, is it hard to do uh, due diligence in the transfer portal because of how fast it moves and and maybe you don't know everything about a guy. It's not high school recruiting where you can do it for a couple of, you can, you know, be around a player for a couple of years. And he said, right. yeah, you know, it, it can be a problem because also when all this is going on, universities are closed down for holiday and it's hard to get, you know, he was talking more from the academic side of knowing if guys are even eligible or what, the, mm-hmm. you know, getting transcripts. And so the transfer portal, it's, it's a different beast and, and there's all kinds of things you don't think about initially, but once one of these problems come up, then you got to start questioning it. And I'll have, and I have an, another question before we move on to the, the offensive line with Arlen Bruce, what do you feel OSU was expecting from him in terms of production and also looking at some of these guys who are now on the roster set to kind of replace him. Do you feel like it's going to be a one-on-one replacement or a replacement kind of by like committee? Yeah. So I think with Arlen Bruce, what it came down to was he was probably of the three transfer wide receivers they had, he probably garnered the most praise from everybody uh, when he asked about about you know who's standing out at wide receiver um, in terms of, of transfer guys and so I think he was going to play a pretty big role and Mike Gundy kind of said that last week he was going to be a factor on this team um, so to lose to lose him is pretty substantial I think when you look at guys like Blaine Green and Rashad Owens they have the talent to replace that but it's not going to be you're going to need both of them. You're probably going to need more than just those two uh, to duplicate that because you're not, once you get past Brendan Presley, there's not that small, you know, speedy, good route runner, cuts hard, cuts fast. You're not going to have that uh, once you get past Brendan Presley with some of these larger guys who, you know, the, the, Blaine Green and Rashad Owens are still really good football players, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to, you're going to be able to do the, I don't think they're going to be able to do what they wanted to do with Arlen Bruce with those two guys. They'll be able to supplement some stuff. I think Arlen Bruce kind of was creating a little niche for himself uh, the past eight months that they're going to be without now. Okay. Got you. Um, with that, you know, we, we talked about the receiving receiving core and just kind of moving down the list of, of offensive position groups is we have the offensive line. And I know I read a story a little, you know, earlier in the summer about how they wanted to improve on the run game. From what you've seen, do you feel like they're making progress to be better in that phase of, of the game than where they were last year? I think the most optimistic part about OSU's offensive line is that they've got pretty solid level of depth now i think they at least in spring you know mike gundy said they were there was some confidence to be able to go too deep at every position um and that's something they didn't have last year because they got beat up you know in the in the back half of the season and it showed because they couldn't run the football they couldn't do anything with that you know it, it was probably there's some statistics you could probably look at that point to this is the worst run game of Mike Gundy's tenure. And uh, 
So I think that there's a clear call to they want to be that dominant uh, downhill, aggressive, physical, offensive line that OSU kind of had way back in you know the early 2010s. There, there's a desire to be that, but getting there is going to be the question, right? Because I, I think it's interesting. The offensive line went pretty untouched in the transfer portal. They lost Eli Russ, who uh, started a couple games last year in in lieu of those injuries, and then. Uh, Caleb William left because it looks like Dalton Cooper is going to be the starting left tackle this year. So for the most part, the core has stayed together. Now it's just, can you put all the pieces together to, uh, to put together a good run, a run blocking team. And now you don't have Spencer Sanders who, you know, was the dual threat quarterback who could, you know, if that pocket fell apart, he could scramble and, and, get some yards there. You're not going to have that. You're going to have a pocket passer, no matter who they pick in this quarterback competition, which still is not decided uh, according to Mike <laughs> Gundy. But so now pass blocking is even more important this year. And it's, it almost feels like now or never, because this is, I, I guess you'd have to do the, you'd have to play the averages game, but I would assume this is the veteran most group at OSU, veteran most position group at OSU this year. And it feels like, is it all going to come together, right? <laughs> You're going to come together or it's not. And uh, that's what this year kind of feels like. And, and and they've prioritized some things like, you know, adding new run blocking schemes. I think taking the uh, the old cowboy back position and, and breaking it back into tight ends and fullbacks, that helps. With, it's all meant to assist this offensive line in getting that run game going. It's just going to be a question of can they achieve it? Just how important do you feel getting the run game corrected is going to be to the success of this team this year? Well, I think it'll be it'll be massive. Um, when you look at OSU's run game, and they've got some interesting pieces. I know we had this coming later in the show, but I'll kind of use it as a segue to talk about the running backs for a second. You've got three options that make the most sense. And I don't think there's one that stands out as like the lead running back. I don't think it, it almost feels a committee would make more sense, especially when you realize like Ali Gordon, Jaden Nixon and Elijah Collins all kind of have a different style of running. And when you have that versatility, if you now can pair it with a successful run block, I mean, come on, Joan, we've been watching football for all our lives. You know that <laughs> you can run the ball, you can then pass the ball and so on. And right. so, you know, you, you you have to you want to be successful in both aspects to to be successful on offense and uh so yeah i think if they can get the run game going and they've got some talented running backs it's going to be interesting to see how you know somebody like elijah collins plays you know a 60 year guy who had a pretty good sophomore year but hasn't played a ton the past three. What does he have left in the tank? And, you know, Ollie Gordon showed some flashes as a true freshman last year, but how is he going to look this year? You know, can he take that next step? Can he keep building on that? And Jade Nixon's been pretty reliable in the times that they've used him. So I guess to answer your question, yeah, you, you need that successful run game no matter what. And I think the pieces are there. Can it just be put together and can it be cohesive? as there's so much roster turnover year after year. 
Right, and we'll and we'll stick right there on the running backs. When you're looking at Ollie Gordon or you're looking at Elijah Collins, do you feel as if when they look at those backs that they're going to be a running back by committee or are they looking for more of a bell cow approach? Yeah, I think running back by committee makes the most sense because I also don't think you want to burn out one of these guys too early in the season. You know, you want to keep people fresh. And Mike Gundy always says you want to have four running backs to use throughout a season, you know, and they've got three and and I think they're still trying to find that fourth option. Um, there's true. There's some, there's some people that could fill in there, but regardless, I think it's going to be, those three are going to be the main ones. And I, I think you, you don't want to start burning out. You, you don't want to take Ali Gordon, who's a really strong and powerful downhill running back. And you don't want to beat him up by game eight and have him, you know, start missing games for little injuries or whatnot. I don't think you want to get to that point. You want to keep everybody healthy. You want to rotate. I think it's going to be a big part of what they do is you just want to keep rotating fresh bodies because you've got this. I think they feel very confident about their depth this year. So why burn out one guy, you know? So I think to me, and you can have, you know, teams all the time have success doing a running back by committee when you're able to keep them fresh. You know, when you have, when you have somebody like Chuba Hubbard who can rush for 2000 yards in a season. Yeah. Use him as much. <laughs> as you can. But maybe when you don't have, and maybe somebody takes over maybe by game four, you know, like two years ago when Jalen Warren came in as a transfer and he kind of played a little bit here and there. And then, they went up to Boise. Oh, she went up to Boise State and Jalen Warren exploded and he finished, I think, with like 1,200 rushing yards that year. It, that situation could happen. And when that does, I think that dictates snaps. But I think going into the season, you almost want to just have that running back by committee, keep everybody fresh. And if somebody takes off, great. If not, and it's working, just keep going at it. Right. Got you. And it's funny because, I mean, the more we talked about receivers, offensive line, running backs, I mean, you kind of want you want these positions to have a sense of cohesion once you get to a certain point in the season. And with that, that means you obviously want your head guy who's going to be under center to be named. Now, you said Mike Gundy hasn't specifically named a starter right now. So what's kind of your take on that situation and what's going on with that position group right now? Right. And so, so I went back and looked at this, I think it would have been Sunday. So a couple days ago, I wrote a story on this for anybody that's interested in going a little deeper on it about the quarterback competition from 2019 uh, between Spencer Sanders and Drew Brown. And it seems like we're a little bit on a similar path there because Mike Gunny's not really wanting to name who's going to start and, that one pretty much that concluded a I think a day or two before they opened the season a starter was named so I think we're we're a little bit on that trajectory right now and I'm gonna stick with what I said last week on the podcast it makes sense I think to just go with Alan Bowman as quarterback one right I think just you he's a perfect bridge you know OSU I think of like. Taylor Cornelius in his one season starting had a great year for OSU, right? And mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. gave Spencer Sanders enough time to develop to step in the following year and, you know, start for four years. And maybe that's how you look at Garrett Rangel a little bit, you know, let Alan Bowman have this year, let him bridge the Spencer Sanders to Garrett Rangel transition, 
you know, let him be that guy. I'm Alan Bowman is more than capable, I think, of being a starting quarterback. He showed that at Texas Tech, right? And then he went up to Michigan and, uh, you know, rode the bench a little bit as a third string. And I, I think when you've got a le- the level of experience he has, I think you go with Alan Bowman just for this year, right? It, it makes the most sense because I think it could – the problem is now that the tricky balance is when you've got younger talent, especially in a program like OSU that loves to develop, right? Right. Development first program. When you've got younger talent, you want to, you know, give them time to, to, you know, grow in, grow up and fill those shoes. But now in the transfer portal, impatience, you know, always takes over. And uh, I forget where I read it, but, I think it was 96 division one programs had a quarterback transfer out this year. Right. So sounds about, sounds 90, about right. So 96 division one programs lost a quarterback and 96 others gained a new quarterback. So with how the portal works and you don't want guys to get impatient is what I, I guess the point I'm trying to make. And so you got to find that balance there when you've got somebody like Garrett Rangel, who's, got the talent who's, you know, he got thrown into the fire last year. And there were times he didn't look the best. There were times he looked like he could be the starter of the future. You know, uh, I always think that they lost the guaranteed rate bowl, but I think that fourth quarter, Garrett Rangel really showed, you know, he's got some poise. He's got what you want in a quarterback. And so it's, do you want to, you got to find that balance there. And I think that's what is the holdup is, you get somebody like Alan Bowman, super experienced, has done it, has put the time in, knows what he's doing. And then you've got somebody like Garrett Rangel, who's got the talent, may, might be a little raw. Do you just want to, you know, roll with the punches there? Or do you want to give him another year to develop? I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, and well, I'll ask this question with specifically talking about quarterbacks, but I mean, it could go with running backs, wide receivers as well. But when OSU steps out on the field on week one, do you feel like, okay, these are the starters we're going to roll with throughout the season? Or is it kind of going to be an evolving process of whoever steps up can overtake someone's job that's in front of them? Yeah, I think it's going to be a it's going to be a work in progress. And I think most I would assume most college football programs are the same way, because when you bring in these transfers, you know, you can look at the stats, you can look at the tape, but you're not going to know how they look in your program until you get them and bring them on and start, uh, you know, getting them acclimated. And I think that's what you're going to really start seeing across college football is. Week one is by no means what week 12 start, you know, week one starting rotation is not what's week 12 is going to look like at all. And right. um, it, it's just, it's going to be interesting to follow. So no, I don't, I don't, whoever comes out for central Arkansas, I don't think is going to be the same for who comes out in a uh, week 12. That's, that's across the board. It, you know, maybe Fallon Bowman is the week one starter. He might be the week 12 starter, depending on how things go. But yeah, I, I think it's always going to be a work in progress at this in this era of college football. Got you. Got you. And we'll transition a little bit to, you know, the other position group. we got tight ends, fullbacks. We touched on it a little bit with how big of an impact they could be in, you know, improving on what the run game was last year. What have you seen from them so far? And what do you expect for them in respect to what this run game can look like in 2023? 
I think it's going to be a foundational year for the for the tight ends and fullbacks as OSU's kind of reverting back to them um, this offseason. I think both of those, well, tight end for sure, was built up through the transfer portal. They went out and, and got a uh, Josiah Johnson from Massachusetts and uh, Ian Edenfield from California in Pennsylvania, not Cal Berkeley, so D2 school. And they're similar in size. Edenfield's got about 30 pounds on him. But I don't think that's another one. I don't think you're really going to have a set starter. And I could be wrong on that. But that feels like more you've got – you brought in a bunch of players with different talent level. Like maybe this guy's better at run blocking. This guy's better at catching. This guy's better at pass blocking. And I think you're just going to – when you've got that variety – like they do, you're just going to start slotting guys in depending on what you're wanting to run um, in, in the simplest of terms. And same with fullback, like Braden Cassidy, he he chose to come back this year and he's going to be a fullback. And so is uh, um, Bryce Drummond, who transferred from North Texas and he, he walked on at OSU. It's, it's all, I think, going to be seeing what works, what doesn't work and how that all fits in. I think that's going to be especially a work in progress. But for the most part, with what OSU's wanting to do with their run scheme, you know, more pull action, more counter, more, you know, gap run, stuff like that, this is all necessary to pull that off, right? Having right. all these, these, you know, being a bit more specific, more separate in what all that does. So I think it's super important. It, it's a needed step, but I think it might, it, it's a little bit foundational. It's a bit of a foundational year for them. Which one of these position groups, in your opinion, are you excited the most about their potential this season? You know, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about questions along those lines. Um, back in January, when they lost John Paul Richardson, Bryson Green, and Stephon Johnson Jr. in the transfer portal, all underclassmen, wide receivers who showed massive potential in for Bryson Green and uh, John Paul Richardson in their second season. And then Stephon Johnson Jr. as a true freshman, they all really could have been cornerstones in the coming years uh, for OSU's wide receiver group. So back in January, I would have said, oh, this wide receiver core might not be what it needs to be. But I think if anything, eight months later, I think the wide receiver group might have the most potential because you've, they've still got some younger guys like, Jaden Bray and Talon Chitron, um, who are kind of developing in the program, right? Brought in through high school recruiting. And Brendan Presley is now a senior. To retain him was super important. And they've now scored a couple transfer guys who I think could be interesting, uh, especially somebody like Leon Johnson III, who transferred in from George Fox University. Juwan, if you could tell me what state George Fox University is in, I would be thoroughly impressed. But I cannot. Uh, <laughs> I cannot. This <laughs> ends up in Oregon and uh, the D3 college, right? But he's 6'5, like 200 pounds, you know, caught 1,500 yards, you know, 1,500 receiving yards last year. But how does that translate, right? So when you talk about potential, there's a guy with all the potential in the world. How's that going to translate to Power Five football? You know, Brennan Presley was the leading, caught the most receptions and the most passing yards last year. 
if he continues to build off that, you know, whoa, watch out. Got these two sophomores who can really step into big roles. And OSU's, you know, OSU's had that in the past. The wide receiver's always been a strong suit for OSU. And so when you look at all these pieces, you say, oh, yeah, that's all the potential in the world. Let's see if they can, you know, put it together. Right. And, you know, my 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 final question I will have um, before before we kind of wrap things up for the day. And, you know, we talked about quarterbacks last last week. I think I said, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you have three quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. As it yeah. stands today, are you liking the competition bout that they're having between quarterbacks? Are you OK with how they're treating the situation? Because you compared it to the, the 2019 season. Um so yeah, how do how do you feel about how they're kind of handling that process right now? Yeah, I mean, me personally, I think it's almost interesting. It's like, are you? I wonder if I probably I, I'll I need to ask this. I guess honestly, is are you worried that at this point in the season there is no separation yet? Right? You're you mm, you mm, say mm-hmm. my buddy says. Uh, let's see, I got the quote pulled up right here. It's there's Mike Gunny says, quote, there's no way we can name a starter right now. Just can't. I'm a little surprised that it's gotten to this point, end quote. Are mm. you know, it, it almost is interesting. Like, are you worried that nobody separated themselves yet? And to be fair, when we look back at 2019, similar things were being said. They didn't name a starter until days before the opening game. And it was the right decision, right? Spencer Sanders had a pretty good first year and went on to, you know, do what he did across the next four seasons. So I think in, in retrospect, it might be, you could just chalk it up to smoke and mirrors. Um, but ultimately, whoever they pick, if they have a good season, nobody's going to remember it, right? Like nobody's going to remember that there was this quote-unquote intense battle going on. So I, I think if I were a head coach, I'd probably want to get it out there as soon as I could. But Mike Gunny knows what he's doing, I assume. And uh, if he's not too worried about it, then I don't think, you know, everybody else should be so worried about it. I would I would say you, I would want to just get that information out as, as soon as I knew it. But, you know, <laughs> even back in even back in spring when they were talking, you know, I figured this is one that's going to carry over into fall camp. Right. And it might I think it, the way Mike Gundy's always played who the starting quarterback and it's always there's always been secrecy around it and. You know, it's probably gonna. It's either between him or Garrett Rangel, and it's just. It's just. What do you want to do? Do you want to go old? Or do you want to go young? I think that's what it comes down to because I think they're both capable of starting. All right, Dean. Any final comments you you want to add before we get out of here for the week? I think we're good. I talked more than I expected to. <laughs> that's a that's a good thing. That's a good thing. People want to hear your insight about what's <laughs> going on in in the, in the Cowboys locker room and what's going on in camp right now. Uh, but yeah, we, we gotta start preparing for the defense one next week. Everybody should check that, that out. That will definitely be interesting. So next week, um, next week we'll be talking defense. In the meantime, be sure to watch the website for any you know updates Dean has coming out of camp. He just had an OSU notebook today that came out, you know, as of Friday, August 18th, what when we're recording. And you know, like, comment, share. Podcast is available on all platforms and it's free to download. This has been the OSU Sports Extra Podcast. See you next week.